0: Good morning, everybody. Awesome to see you today. Uh, Great to hang out together. And uh, it's been pretty cool the last few weeks seeing our in person attendance just kind of creeping up. People feeling a little more comfortable to come. We're really glad for that. And uh, also uh, very glad for our online community continuing to, to watch. Welcome, welcome to our live stream, glad you're hanging out with us, and look forward to the coming days when uh, both uh, groups can grow uh, online, certainly we want to continue to reach out, and we'll be able to do that through the summer, whether you're on vacation or other places, and also in person, as well as more of us get the immunization, more of us are feeling more comfortable to come. I've talked to a bunch of people the last few weeks, and they're like, I'm kind of this close to being able to come back here. And and I see some of you have told me that are, are coming back and, and that's awesome. And um, we're looking forward to the future together. Next week as well, Easter, hanging out together. And I'm looking forward also to the day when we can kind of relax this mask protocol. I think maybe that day could be down the road where we can do a regathering Sunday, maybe a building dedication. There's a lot of things we want to do. Maybe in the next few weeks, we're thinking about it. We're trying to gauge what's going on. We want to continue to be smart. And so um, we'll get some information out to you as we move along. But cool things coming up, even in the fall, looking to do a grand opening where we can invite our friends and family, even beyond, say, Easter, beyond what's going on now, uh, a grand opening for all that's been going on. We put it off a year, but we're going to get there eventually. Uh, I want to just take a minute before we jump into Nehemiah. This is the last message in the book of Nehemiah, and it's gone pretty fast. But I want to give a quick budget and facility update. Uh, First of all, in terms of uh, facility, uh, we continue to receive funds for our facility Project Uh, That continues for many of us who have pledged money over the last couple years, last three years. Some of us have pledges that continue even a little bit further. Uh, We have not talked about it a whole lot, but we are receiving those funds, and we're thankful for that. We are short of our goal, but, I mean, that's understandable with everything that's been happening. We've not focused on that. We've been focusing on our more immediate need which is our budget, and I wanted to talk to you about that for a minute as well. Uh, Last year, we ended very strong, fantastic finish. Thank you for making that happen. Many, many of you stepped up big time and helped us bridge the gap that we had. Uh, As we get into 2021, it's been a bit of a slow start. So we've had a bit of a slow start for this year, and at this point, three months in, we're $30,000 behind on our budget, and I want to bring you that information because uh, this is an opportunity for us to to kind of get ahead of things. We have the summer coming. We know that that can be a little bit of a slump, and just want to give uh, that information out to you. If maybe uh, you're online and you've been watching uh, faithfully, but uh, maybe just COVID kind of throws the curveball and gotten out of the habit of of being here and maybe giving regularly, we'd love for you if. If you would prayerfully consider resuming your giving, uh, if maybe you've paused for a little bit. Uh, Others of us who are giving faithfully, and many, many of you are, I just want you to be aware of that need so that you could prayerfully consider maybe helping us address that. Uh, We see the light at the end of the tunnel, Uh, it's not a train. It's not a train. Uh, we see a light at the I had to throw that in. I don't know why. but um, We see the light at the end of the tunnel. We know that uh, COVID will end. We just got to get through the next few months, and we're going to accelerate big time. But we still have some of the financial pressures th- uh, that are pretty typical for other organizations at this time. So thank you for thinking about that. I do want to just also add to that that we have a basement project going on with our children, our student ministries, our youth ministry, very, very excited about that. We have a new stage that's we're building. We have new technology and new video capabilities, sound capabilities. We're going to have new partition walls that we're building. They're going to be colorful and fun for the kids. And all that is going well. I do want to give a little shout out to Roger Levine, who has stepped up big time, has been working feverishly in the basement. He doesn't even want me to mention his name, but I'm going to because he's been working like a crazy man in the basement doing a lot of work, uh, which we need help with in the basement. So thank you, Roger. I thanked you in the first service. But I'm putting it on YouTube forever now, okay? So now you're you're on there forever. Okay. But um, so we have that going on, but we also sometimes, if you've ever done renovations, have you ever noticed that you can expect the unexpected? Uh, did a renovated our house and a lot of unexpected things like built up. It kind of happened downstairs too because we ran into some water damage in one of the bathrooms, some water damage in the basement area that we did not budget to fix. We were going to renovate those bathrooms down the road, but of course, no, it happens now. So <laughs> I'm just here to let, let you know it's happening. And that would be another area, again, we have not budgeted for that kind of work, uh, to make some repairs, to make those bathrooms uh, accessible to our students. Uh, It is safe, the space is safe, but again, if you would prayerfully consider uh, your giving for any one of these components, we'd really appreciate it. God is working, and uh, together I know we're going to go to a, a great height, see great things take place. So that's it on the budget update and all that. And again, we don't do it every week. If you're new, you're like, "Do they do this every week?" No, we don't. We don't do it every week, but we do want to inform you. We're not going to badger or pursue it further. Just inform you and ask you to pray. So now, jumping back into Nehemiah, we've been in this book now for several weeks, and we're wrapping up the series. And I hope. I hope the series has been impactful for you. I hope you have a lot of takeaways. I know personally that I do. But as we flip the pages of this book, I think there's one quality that really jumps out in Nehemiah. And it's this, that he was a man with a very persevering nature. This was a serious dude who really gave his all. And he faced a lot of challenges. He, he was rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. He was resetting the gates of the city that had been decimated by war and problems over the years. And he comes on the scene, and he takes this bull by the horns and says, we're going to get this job done. And he's determined... And he perseveres, and, and the scale of the project was enormous. It was a large city with many gates, and, and that, was, that was challenging, and the logistics to pull it off were, were daunting. And then the opposition that he faced, there were lots of people all around him that, that wanted to undermine this process, who, who wanted to get him off course and off track, and, and he refused. He stayed on track over and over again. And it's interesting to read how this perseverance within this man paid off in a big, big way. Because in chapter 6 of Nehemiah, we see the outcome. It says this in verse 15, "...so the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days." When all the enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid, and they lost their self-confidence, because they realized this work had been done with the help of our God. And so he has this huge project, and amazingly, it's completed in less than two months. 52 days is what it took to get this project done. And this is something that had taken uh, all this time, many, many years, hundreds of years, lots of time has passed, and nothing has been done for the walls. Nothing has been done to protect the people. But Nehemiah shows up, and all of a sudden, huge progress is made. And it's almost miraculous what God was able to do. And it's a tribute, really, to Nehemiah, first of all who refused to throw in the towel, who refused to get overwhelmed by the moment, who stayed on this wall. He's on this wall, and he's got his hands on these stones, and he's placing them over and over again. He's taking these stones. He's placing them side by side, shoulder to shoulder with other Israelites. And it's like, wow, he had he had a lot of temptation to lose his focus as people were throwing stones at him. And we talked about that last week, how they're throwing stones at him while he's up on the wall. And he's like, listen, dude, I'm up here. I got bigger stones. And he could have thrown them back, but he goes, no, this work is way too important. I'm not going to get sucked into this uh, fight, this battle with other people. I'm doing God's work, and I'm going to persevere in it. So it's a tribute to this man, but it's also a tribute to the Israelites who came along and said, let's do this together. Let's do this collectively Uh, They refused to let the enemy drive a wedge between them and their brother, between them and their sister. They refused to to allow other things to come in the way, to to create this this animosity between workers, to say, no, we're part of this good work. Nothing was going to cause them to to lose their grip on this stone. Nothing was going to cause them to that their hands would grow weak in the work because it was a good work that collectively they would take on and collectively they would find immense success. And I think what we learn from Nehemiah and what we learn from the people of Israel here is that spiritual progress and success are linked to focus attention over time. Spiritual success and progress in our own journey with God are, are linked to focus the tension over time. You see, there's something about staying on track. There's something about saying, you know what, I've got this next step, and I've got this next step. And I've got this next step that says, that, that first step, that next step is always hard. When God calls us to do something new, to step out of a comfort zone, to, to get out of a rut that maybe we're in, that first step is hard. And sometimes people around us don't like that or they challenge us, but we know the Holy Spirit is calling us to grow. And, and sometimes that's hard. And it requires a persevering spirit to continue our journey of faith. And there's two things particularly in our culture that makes spiritual progress very difficult, especially for us in our culture today. I think one of the things that trips us up from time to time is that we think that there should be an immediate payoff to our commitments to God. Sometimes we fail to persevere in our faith and see the fruit and see the outcome of what God wants to do in your life, in your family, in your marriage, in our church, in our community, because we give up way too soon. Because we think that, you know, if God were in it, things would happen quicker. There would be this immediate payoff for my diligence, for my faithfulness. And so we think, well, I'm going to give God a try. I'll give God a try. I'll give faith a try. I'll give church a try. And if I do that, then I'm expecting God to kind of... Bre- I want a break through, like right away. Like, God, come on. I'm, I'm not home right now. It's raining. I could have been home. I mean, that's got to count. And God says, it does. It does. But it's just one, this one moment... And we think, well, God, I've been faithful with my time to you, or I've been giving, I've tithed, I've given 10% of my income, or I've I've given an offering over and above that, or I've given of my talents to you. And maybe I've even yielded some of my lifestyle, where I've got this lifestyle going on, and everybody cheers it on, but God's saying, no, this isn't going to lead you to your best life. This won't lead you to your best relationships. And so the things we say, uh, you know, like the words we use, they're like God saying, those aren't the best words. I got better words. And your attitudes and the actions you take. And it's like I'm letting God lead my lifestyle. And sometimes we get to this point where we say, so God, I've been, I've been taking the right steps now for a week. And I've been doing the right things for a month. And God, I've been really trying for six months where's the payoff? I I want it to happen like now. And it's it's this instant gratification that goes on in our society. Like, you know, if I'm at home and I'm on my computer and I hit the button and Amazon says that they're going to deliver tomorrow and I'm paying for Prime, it better be there on my porch. If not, I'm going to freak out. Because I need it right now and I got the microwave going. I got this cereal. I got to heat it up. The oatmeal cannot be cold. I put it in there, 30 seconds, pull it out. Man, it's piping. It's piping hot. And I've got to have that. And we import that into our spiritual lives and say, God, if I take a step, see, God, it's all good, right? Where's the outcome? I need the breakthrough. I need you to show up in a, in a new way right now immediately. I need fulfillment in this moment without delay. But that's not how God works. God works as we steadily, consistently follow him. Spiritual success and growth require perseverance, not for an hour, not for a day or a month, but over time. And if you persevere and don't give up because your blessing is around the corner it is 100% going to pay off big time. But there's another tripping point in our culture, and it's this, where we think that growth is an automatic process. It's where we cross the line of faith and maybe ask Jesus into our life, and we think, you know, well, God, I, you know, I'm just going to kind of go along, and, and it should be an automatic thing. But growth isn't automatic. It's not even guaranteed at all. In fact, I've known believers over the years who have been saved a very short time, who have more wisdom, who have better attitudes and greater knowledge of God's word than other believers who have been saved 10, 15, 20 years. That they're way more mature than the person who's been saved for a long time. And and so why is that? You know, it's not the passing of time that guarantees our growth. It's what we do with the time that is key to our progress and to our growth. And some people take it on and say, I want to grow. So when the Holy Spirit comes and speaks to us, and the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you, because you're open to God, you're here, you're open to him, and sometimes the Holy Spirit is going to convict us. And if you feel convicted, you should feel blessed, because it means that your heart is pliant and open to God. It means your heart hasn't become hard we all have a ways to go. No one has this all figured out. No one gets it right every time. So the Holy Spirit comes along and says, you're better than this. I got a better place for you to go. That's not you at your best. That's God speaking to every one of our hearts. And God's saying, listen, I'm going to convict you of the things you're saying that aren't really your best and your attitudes and your actions. And, and when we listen to that and allow him to lead our lives, we grow. It's not always easy. But if we persevere in it over time, we will become the mature believer God wants us to be. But spiritual growth and progress and success require persevering over time, consistent steps in the right direction. The Apostle Paul is a man who who got this right. He too had a persevering spirit. And he wrote about this to the Philippian church in Philippians chapter 3. He says, "Uh, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead, not that I've already obtained this or have already been made perfect, but I press on. To take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers, that I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Here, Paul is, is longing for that moment to be completed. He wants to complete his hope in Christ. He's looking at the future and he's looking for that moment when he stands before the Lord and he has a new body and he lives in a new world and he has experienced this final transformation. He's experienced his own resurrection. He can't wait. But until that day, he's got some stuff to think about, he's got some things to do. First of all, he has a goal. His goal is found in verse 10. My goal is to become like him in his death. Now, this is not a reference to Paul saying that he wants to die on the cross like Jesus did, although Paul was willing to die and did die for his faith. It's not a reference to that, but it's actually a reference to Paul saying that I am coming to this point where I want to die to myself so I can be alive to God's purposes. I want you to think about that. That's exactly the goal Paul had in mind. That's the goal God has in mind for you. That you would die to yourself and become alive to God's purposes. This is his desire. It means Paul was very careful to think about his life, not just to go through the motions, but he didn't want to fall short. He didn't want to fall short of what God wanted him to be. It's almost like when we go to heaven and stand before the Lord, and Paul's like has this thing in his head, like I just want to get this right. I want to do this right, and I want to do well to the end. That God kind of holds up like these two pictures: one picture here and one picture here, and one picture is is of Paul as he was on this in this life, and the other is what Paul could have been had he fully engaged with God's purposes. It's almost like there's two videos. One is a video of your actual life, and this, I think, is kind of a, a picture of, of us as well, that we'll stand before God, and he'll have two videos running. One is of our actual life, the actual life that we lived on the planet, and the other is a video of what we could have been and accomplished had we died to ourselves and become more alive to his purposes. And Paul's like, okay, I see, you know, what I could have been, and I got a little distracted by a bunch of stuff. And Paul's like, I want to close that gap. I want those two videos to be as closely correlated, closely connected, and in sync as possible. Because Paul had a goal. He didn't want to fall short. He wanted to run the race well. He also had a drive He says here, I press on. We read that in verse 12. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Uh, This term is very powerful. It's a sports term. It's uh, a term that athletes would have completely understood. In fact, it was part of a sports crazed culture. Like, I don't know if you're watching the NCAA tournament. You're watching basketball. I watch the games even though my team One of my teams didn't make the tournament, the other one lost last night. Kentucky didn't make it, Villanova got knocked out. But, you know, sports, we live in a sports-crazed culture, but so did they. They were into it big time. And this term was something that made sense uh, in relation to the Greek athletic games at the time. They were a huge part of Paul's world and of the Philippians' world as well. And the word here, to press on, means to run swiftly, so to catch a person or a thing. To run swiftly, to catch a person, to basically win this race, to prevail, to take a medal. It's a person's willingness to exert themselves, to sweat. To get to, into this race, and if you've ever lo- run a long race, it's like there's this moment where you hit the wall, and you're like, man, I don't think I can go another step, and you hit this wall. But if you punch through it, sometimes you get a second wind. Sometimes you start accelerating once again to put in the effort to push themselves for success. It's an active, earnest endeavor. It's determination on display. Paul says, I press on, because he has the drive. He's not giving up. And he also, last, has a future orientation. He says here that I'm forgetting what is behind. I'm straining for what is ahead. He's forgetting what is behind. Uh, It's a a picture of, of how we need to forget the past. We need to move beyond the past. You need to move beyond your past. Forgetting the past here is is important because sometimes we make an excuse and we say, God, I'm not usable for you. I will never be a passionate person for you because of my past. And we make an excuse. We say, because of my my screw-ups, my mess-ups, my track record. I'm just not able to be like so-and-so or this or that. I just don't have that, that same thing because I'm damaged goods. I've ruined it. And we use our mistakes as an excuse to make a serious commitment to growing. It keeps us from growing. But here's the truth, that when God looks at your past, he looks at my past... When we come to him, he separates our sin as far as the east is from the west. He's a God of grace who forgives us. And, and sometimes our problem is twofold. One is we don't come to him for forgiveness, and we need to. Because he's not going to pull the skeleton out and say, remember when you screwed up in 2017? Well, I got the skeleton here, and I'm kind of in a bad mood today, so I'm going to throw this skeleton back out just to make your life miserable. Have a good day. Like, that's God. No, it's not. God separates it. So sometimes we don't come to God for forgiveness, but we also have another problem is that we don't forgive ourselves sometimes. We say, you know, I'm just, I can't, I can never forgive myself for what I did to so and so. I can never forgive myself for, for what I said and, and where I was with this and, and, and just gonna be scarred by this forever. It's my permanent excuse for not growing. And, But here's the problem. If you don't forgive yourself, you're actually unwittingly taking God's place. What you're saying is that your standard is higher than God's, and it's not. Your standard is not higher than God's. And if God can forgive you, you need to forgive yourself and not allow the past to trip you up, to press on, to forget what is behind to strain towards what is ahead. Another thing that can trip us up as we look to the past is actually past success. Some of us could look to the past and say, I've been successful. Like God, I've, I mean, in 2013, do you remember when I helped that person they were really hurting, and I helped them, and it's like, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. I actually wrote it down, God, because I wanted to remind you of how awesome I was in 2013, and what an amazing thing I did, and I'm, I know you were happy, because it was a cool thing to do, and I still feel pretty great about it, and and in 2016, I did another good thing. I was really a giving person, and I took care of the situation, and and I helped some children, and I helped an older person and I, across the street, and I held a door, and I, we list all our accolades, the things we've done. But here's the deal, that sometimes we rest on our laurels, and we say, God, I, I've done enough, I've given enough of myself, I've given enough of what you've given me, I've, I've sacrificed enough, and therefore, God, we're good. We're good, and I can just rest now. I put in my dues, and we get passive. We get lethargic. But here's the truth, that you're not done until you're dead. You see, we're we're just not done until we're dead, and that'll happen. We're going to wake up dead one day. We're going to look back and God said, that's it, that's it, you're done. But we are here. You got up. Your feet hit the ground. He's not done with you yet. We can't even allow past successes to drain us of passion for new opportunities to serve and make a difference in this world. Paul had a backstory of both things, of both failure and success. And he says, I'm not giving up hustling with two laps left in the race. No, I'm giving my all and I'm going to exhaust myself until I get to that finish line. Persevering over time is key. So ask yourself today, are you persevering? Are you making spiritual progress on your journey? Maybe you've come and you've been curious about the things of God and, and uh, you're a seeker, but... Have you come to the point now where you're like, God, I've, I've been seeking enough and it's time for me to accept Jesus into my life as Lord and Savior? Have you done that? Or are you still inquiring and still asking and still kind of looking into it a little bit, but there's a moment when God says, well, you need to move beyond that now. Asking questions is really important. That was my journey. I had a lot of questions. I was confused and it sent me on a search for truth. So the the logical piece of it is a big deal in my past. But there's a moment when God comes along and says, it's time to decide. And God wants you to accept him into his life. He wants you to have a relationship with him. Are you making progress or have you stalled out on that journey? Have you taken your step as a believer to be baptized? That's a next step for us as followers of Jesus, that God wants us to believe and be baptized. We have a baptismal in here somewhere, uh, somewhere under there. I don't know, underneath the keyboard, somewhere. Um, but we're going to have a first baptismal service here at some point, and a bunch of you have said, hey, we'd like to be baptized, and I know a lot of you are thinking about it. It really is your next step if you're a follower of Jesus. It's part of your journey, and God is going to bless you immensely when you take that step. It's something he wants you to do because it's part of his blessing in your life and his blessing to others through you. So what is keeping you back? What is holding you back? God wants you to take your next step. It's also about this whole idea of of growing. Are you growing Are you helping your spouse grow? Are you helping your kids grow? Are you working side by side with other brothers and sisters? Are you grabbing stones? Are you moving stones? Are you building God's work? Are you advancing his kingdom with others, shoulder to shoulder, or have you become isolated? Have you been discouraged? God wants us to work side by side. What is holding you back? And if you're struggling with growth, The good news is that God wants you to experience his best. He wants you to experience his best in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your community, in your work life. And the most important thing is to stay on course. Focus your attention. Persevere. Take the next step, even if it's hard. Because over time, your spiritual progress is going to happen and there's going to be a big payoff if you stay determined and on track now my mind thinks a lot of times in terms of analogies and I have weird analogies and thoughts but anyway here's my newest one I was thinking about the spring thinking about the spring thinking about the summer I like to be outside In the spring and in the summer I like uh, the beach I like being there I like uh, also uh, in my backyard I like to work in my backyard and, and do different things and so I started thinking about this idea of how diligence pays off over time and sun and suntan lotion came to my mind now when I was younger we didn't take the idea of sun exposure very seriously we basically just went outside and did stuff And then we came home, and if we were burned, we were burned. And even when you're younger today, a lot of people will say, "Um, you know, if I get burned, whatever, because it'll be tan, and that's what I want. I just want to to be tan. So if I get burned, no big deal. But have you ever seen somebody who's in their late 40s and 50s who gets wrinkled? Like maybe seriously wrinkled because of sun exposure over time. And, And it can happen when maybe we're not putting a hat on, or we're not covering up, or we're not using the suntan lotion over time. If we don't take care of our skin, we can get wrinkled over time. But if we're diligent one beach day at a time, if we're diligent one garden day in the backyard at a time, if we're diligent to put this stuff on, and don't you love the smell of this? Don't you you love this? This is just, I love this, like coconut in a, in a container. It's like, it's like pina colada for the skin. No, no, that's, that's not good, no. Uh, but yeah, it, just, it smells so good. And it's like if we're diligent at one day at a time to take care of ourselves, we'll protect ourselves. And in fact, healthy skin is going to be the outcome if we do this repeatedly consistently over time. The same is true spiritually, that we're going to have this payoff spiritually if we take small incremental steps over time and don't give up. We will see a payoff in spiritual growth. We'll have a healthier spiritual life. Hundreds of small consistent actions help us get to where we want to go. So Nehemiah has been this man who's persevered. It's beginning to pay off, and in fact, we see collectively they experience God. Because of their perseverance, they experience God in a new, amazing way. Let's read about that in Nehemiah chapter 8. It says, All the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. built for the occasion, Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them, and he opened it, and the people all stood up. And Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands, and they responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. What we see here is how perseverance paid off for the people of Israel in a way they didn't see coming. It actually resulted in revival. There was revival that took place because of their perseverance. And I think the takeaway here is that obedience to God and perseverance in ministry ultimately lead to personal renewal, corporate revival and hope for future generations. You see, that's God's plan all along, is that when you persevere, when you're determined, when you take your next step, when you don't make any more excuses, when you say, okay, God, I'm going to go forward, even though this is hard or not everybody's cheerleading this, I'm listening to you, I'm going to where you want me to go. That there's going to be this moment of renewal in your life, of empowerment in your life, of peace in your life, of joy in your life, of revival among God's people. There's going to be this moment where hope springs eternal and lots of people are drawn in to the great things that God is doing in us and through us. This is God's plan and this is his purpose. And we see it taking place where the people have a renewed passion for God's word that they actually get together, and Ezra reads the Bible from daybreak till noon, and it's like, wow, talk about a message. We think the messages are long at church somewhere, but man, daybreak to noon, this is, whoa, that's a long time, but they wanted to hear it, and it says too that the word of God was elevated, that they put Ezra up on this platform, and we say, well, it's for acoustical purposes. Yes, it was utilitarian, sure, Yes, so so that we could uh, get the word out and everyone could hear, but it was also deeply symbolic of that God's word would have an elevated role among the people. It's exactly what God wants to do in you. As you take steps, he wants his word to have a greater priority in your life. He wants to elevate its status and role in your mind. It's his word that is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's his word that cuts to the dividing point of soul and spirit of joint and marrow it judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart that when you take God's word seriously you take notes on Sunday you walk away with something because of life group you can guarantee that God's going to do serious work in your life serious work in your mind and in your spirit and take you to a far better place than had you not received his word that it's his word that that does not return void, that it accomplishes its purposes. An entire psalm is written about God's word. Psalm 119, the longest psalm, is all about the value of God's word, that blessed are those who keep his statutes, who seek him with all their heart. So there's a renewal that God wants to do in you as you persevere, and his word will play a key role in that, a renewal of worship. That God loves that you're here. God loves that you're watching online and entering into the lyrics of the song. And for us to stand, for us to sing, for us to lift our hands up to God as an act of surrender and deference to him and say, God, you're way bigger than me. I honor you. For us to engage with the lyrics of a song. God loves that you worship. He, you're created to worship. He wants you to be a foremost worshiper so that the world can see that there is one true God, and there was a renewal of hope also, that now, despite all their mistakes, despite their wrong path, despite their screw-ups, they now chose a new course. Now things are going to be different, because they had hope, and not just hope for themselves, Not just hope that now, wow, our people are protected. Our families are protected. The walls are intact. Not just hope that once again we can rekindle worship in the temple, but they didn't know it at the time. They couldn't have known. But the ultimate impact of their work, the ultimate payoff for their perseverance was going to be way bigger than what they experienced for themselves. You see, in Nehemiah's story at the end of this book, the story's not actually over. It points beyond itself to the greatest hope the world has known. Because one of the gates that Nehemiah and Israel repaired, the East Gate, was actually the gate that Jesus, the same section, the same area, the same space that Jesus, a thousand years later, walked through on this day, Palm Sunday, to come and take his final journey to the cross. Nehemiah and the people did not know that their work was not just serving themselves, but hundreds and millions of people, you and me today, because the Savior of the world would come and bring hope that the world would never have anticipated and would change the very nature of life itself and shake the very foundations of history. That's what took place at the East Gate It was a journey, and it's also not just where Jesus walked through 2,000 years ago as Savior, but it's also the exact place where Jesus will return one day, no longer just as Savior, but now as victorious King. Ezekiel 43 says, Then the man brought me to the gate facing east. And I saw the glory of God of Israel coming from the east. His voice was like the roar of rushing waters. The land was radiant with his glory. The glory of the Lord entered the temple through the gate facing east. Nehemiah and those who worked side by side could not have seen it coming. But their hard work, their perseverance, their determination... Their stubborn resistance to those who wanted to divide them from one another and their refusal to give up moving those stones and doing God's good work in this world paid off to bring Jesus to this world and they were the instrument to make it possible and they are the instruments that made it possible for him likewise to return once again. And so now... God has handed the baton to us. It's our turn to persevere. It's our turn to say, I'm determined. It's our turn to say, God, I'm not letting anybody, anything divide me from my brothers or sisters. It's our turn to be an instrument of hope by telling the world about Jesus. And so never, ever, 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 Give up because your perseverance, your perseverance, it's going to pay off big time. Let's pray.